miracles and miracles are uh, a part of God's work. We, but I just want to, it's probably going to be not so much biblical teaching. I'm not going to pull some rabbit out of the hat and some deep dark verse or scripture and, and put a big announcement on you that whatever's going, you know what miracles are. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to talk about it a little bit. And I just want you to enjoy being in the house of God, <clears throat> excuse me, and reminiscing over the time that we have together and just give God glory for what he has done or what you expect him to do in the future. How many of you are expecting miracles? The sign says we do. Well, yeah, sure, we're expecting them. So if you'll turn to Matthew, the eighth chapter, we'll start there. I'm just going to read a very few verses and expound on them a little bit, but just talk basically uh, in reality and from the cuff about miracles. Amen? Father, we come to you this hour thankful for how good a God you are, and we know by our testimonies and by those, Father, that we've read about through reading scripture, through reading uh, what's happening or in the news or whatever's going on around us, other people's uh, speaking, we know that miracles is still part of your business. So we ask, Lord, that you would uh, anoint today, give us what we need as your people to be aware of how good a God we serve and how much it means to be a part of your kingdom. So guide us in every way this time and give us again the strength we need to walk for you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just read in the first four verses of Matthew, the eighth chapter. In Matthew 8, and um, there's a little bit of history here, and I'll get into that. But it says, when he came down from the mountain, he got his coat and sat back down. Oh, no, that's not what it said. When he came down from the mountain, great multitude followed him. And behold, there was a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See that see thou tell no man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Well, when it comes to miracles and Jesus does, he doesn't want to overshadow the, but the situation in what he's doing because he knows that miracle is not from him. It's from God. And I know that every time I anoint someone and pray for them, I am always conscientious of the fact that I'm letting God move on. It's not what my oil. I don't know how much it costs for a little bottle of oil. I haven't bought any for a while. And I refill my bottle from time to time out of a great big bottle I've got at home. All right? And I don't even know what I paid for that. But I know I've seen miracles work because of it. Amen? Not because of my oil. Not because it's me. But because it's God. Here we have Jesus. It says he came down off the mount there. Or came out of the mountain. A quick history there is that here's Jesus uh, really getting started in his earthly ministry. It's ready to take off and he's really doing well. A quick uh, look back at that. In Matthew the fourth chapter we find Jesus being tempted in the wilderness of the devil for 40 days. And he was hungry and the devil tempted him about those things. 
And uh, uh, the scriptures tells us that after he went through that temptation and told the devil to take a hike, angels came and ministered to him. And then he goes from there to selecting his disciples that he wants to follow him. He's called them, uh, if you would, by name. Uh, so he's moving forward in uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7. He preaches his first revival. That's the way I like to say it talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And those chapters, basically, if you read those all in order, I think that's the way Jesus spoke it. It was just in kind of that fashion, and he brought that sermon to them, and a great multitude was gathered while he was doing that Sermon on the Mount, and now he's come down, <coughs> excuse me, off that mount, and while that great multitude watched him, the things that they heard, they thought, man, this guy is a great prophet. He's a good teacher. Amen. He's a leader of the people, and he's saying things uh, to the people of God that they've wanted to hear and experience for a long time. Actually, the scriptures or the, the theologians will tell us from the book of Malachi till the coming of Christ is about 400 years where God just really isn't gripping the people, so to speak, or leading them in the way he did in the Old Testament. He's kind, if you would, letting the Old Testament dust settle so when Christ comes on the scene, those people will be anxious for the things that God has for them in the New Testament. That's the way I like to think of it, and it helps me move forward. So here we have Jesus now in chapter 8, after the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down off the mountain. He's headed for Capernaum, and a great multitude followed him, the Scripture says. Evidently, they were impressed by the teaching, by his examples, by the things that they heard while they were on the mountain. They just didn't want church to be over. I've been in services like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Amen. I say the final amen to the final prayer, and usually we see people hitting the exits about as fast as they But a lot of times, people just stick around, want to commune, want to talk, want to do it, whatever, um, because they've enjoyed being with their brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? Now, it's one thing to hear great words and to make a lot of sense of them versus what the religious leaders were saying to the people of God in the temple or in Jerusalem or in the synagogues all over the countryside, wherever um, churchy crowds, I guess you'd say, would gather on holidays or the, the Sabbath day and their time uh, on the Saturday that they'd all get together. This crowd was primed to see God work among them in a way they had heard of in the past, but it's been long overdue, if you would, to see God move amongst them. It's one thing for your ancestors, your grandma and grandpa, to tell you what God did in their generation. In Red Skelton, he told us about the Pledge of Allegiance, and from the time he told that as a little boy in school, he then had to amend to that that two more states had been added to the Union and the words under God were added to the Pledge of Allegiance. There are times when we hear what they used to say, but when we experience it for ourselves, at the hand of God, it seems to us to be more relevant at that time. Well, 
Uh, here we have a brief oversight, if you would. The multitudes were ready not only to hear from God, to see his power and to work for him, but they wanted to see for themselves and be in the midst of miracles becoming a reality. Everybody wants to have a miracle come true in their life. For the most part, there are miracles happening all around us, and because we're not conditioned, if you would, for that to, you know, channel it out and find out where that miracle came from, we miss it. Amen? We just accept it as, oh well, coincidence or whatever you want to add to it. Well, first of all, we got to have a definition for what a miracle is. Amen? And I don't know how many people here today, but if you wrote down your definition, it'd probably be that many different definitions for what a miracle is. Based on how you've seen miracles in your life, what's taken place, where, how it worked out, the so forth and so on. Now, if we don't know the definition of, of a miracle, we're never going to see one. Amen? It could be happening around us all the time. We just can't put our finger on that miracle and reason the power behind that miracle taking place all around us all the time. Amen? I believe we must have an understanding of how our world was made to understand miracles. Amen? You know God did this all by himself. I realize he did use the Trinity, so there was three of them. That made the load one-third less, if you would. The Holy Spirit and, and Christ, they were there in the beginning and, and made the world. The scriptures teach us that. So when God created it from nothing spoke it into reality or into existence, and he set in order the way it should operate and still works. Amen. We can't change creation. We can't change, you know, they're doing in uh, other countries around the world, you know what they're doing? They're taking their mountains, going up in the mountains where it's real high elevation. No, you can't do anything up there. It's all just rock. They're going up there and dynamiting them, breaking them down, hauling them off the mountain in trucks, taking them out in the ocean, and building islands. When Bonnie and I went to Japan, we landed an airplane, or we took off airplane, I should say. We landed in the wrong place because we missed our connecting flight. But the airport we landed on was a man-made island. How about that stuff? They took enough rocks out of the mountain, took them out in the ocean, and dumped them, Enough that they was, could make a runway for 737s. Wow, isn't that something? Well, the, they, they can try to change what they want, and I can tell you they've had some issues with that. Amen. Can you imagine that? God put it in one place, and they said, no, it should be somewhere else. Well, there can be some issues with that, and they're working those out in Japan. I'm not going to tell them how to run their country, but I want you to know when God put everything in place in existence and made a way for it to operate, it's going to stand. It's going to work the way God did it. Amen. To put it simply, nature is just taking its course. Amen. We say that about a lot of things. When you get the flu, what do you do? You go to bed, you drink honey and tea and your EIO or whatever 
Uh, the old remedy is, and you just let nature take its course. And in a few days, you'll start feeling better and everything's going to be all right. But when we experience something out of the ordinary, we call it a miracle. Or we just let it go unexplained. Amen? Some of us have been sick and think, oh, no, I've got the flu. I'm going to be sick for three days. Next day you wake up, man, you're ready to go. wonder what happened. Well, you don't uh, try to explain it away. You don't do anything except you just have to accept the fact maybe it was a miracle. Amen. God was good to me. So when we witness an event or an occurrence that we can't explain, we throw it into the miracle category. Here in our text... It seems like uh, just a walk for Jesus to come off the mountain, to go to Capernaum. But along the way, in verse 2, it says, Behold. What's that mean to you? Hmm, consider. Stop and think about it. Behold. Amen. He said, uh, uh, there, was a, there came a leper to him and worshipped him. Wow. That's something different. Not every day. Not even in the first century, not even from the mountain to Capernaum, do you run across the leper that's going to come out and worship somebody and say, Can you heal me? Can you help me? Can you be there for me? So there was a, a leper, and this must have definitely been something way out of the ordinary, because most times in that culture, if you would, the lepers lived in colonies. They weren't allowed to come in because they were afraid of spreading that disease to someone else through uh, communication or touch or whatever. So here we have them. This leper was considered to be unclean and, and there was really no scientific way to deal with that issue. The doctors had probably studied it. There had probably been people that looked into it. There were people that took care of lepers in the leper camps. Um, but nobody, if you would, seemed to have their finger on the pulse of what it would take to cure leprosy. And we have some diseases nowadays um, that we come to the conclusion. We don't have an answer for that. Uh, it's going to have to run its course or... It's going to have to be a miracle uh, that we can deal with it in a right way. Well, seemingly, this leper stepped up in this worship attitude he had and respectfully and reverently acknowledged Jesus as Lord. He called him Lord. He didn't say Jesus. Don't know if he even knew his name as far as Jesus is concerned, but he called him Lord. In other words, he was recognizing uh, from either testimony of others or the way he carried himself, somehow he knew he was Lord. And if there was a miracle to be had, he felt like he was the one that could grant it. He wanted that release from the disease he wanted. He expected, if you would, a a healing of that leprosy. Now, if Jesus had given him a prescription, told him go to the pharmacy, get this ointment or take this pill or, or this lotion, and that'll take care of your leprosy, the guy probably, if he respected him enough, took the prescription, got it, maybe would have been healed from that. 
Would you consider that a miracle? Under your definition of what a miracle is? But that's not what happened. Jesus said uh, he was just going to do it a different way. Amen? So some type of therapy would, could have eliminated this leprosy or something he could have done. That would have been nice and he would have been thankful the leprosy was gone. But it would not have fallen under the miracle category. But because Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, hmm, now we know directly what happened. I don't know what the touch has to do with it. Uh, I know one thing. It was a disease that if you touched it, you could get it from a person like that or rubbed up against you or, or however it worked. Um, it was said that Jesus um, took care of this issue because he said, I will. I will. And what's he say after I will? What is that next little sign you see up there? Oh, that's one of them semicolons. And he said, add to that, be thou clean. Amen. That's when the multitude saw a miracle. Nobody has ever walked up to somebody, pretty much touched hands with them or touched their with their hand, and presto, leprosy's gone. Even the people that got healed of leprosy, for the most part, the way I studied it out, it's a long procedure of constant care to try to get past leprosy um, from someone that has it. So in this one, we find that in uh, verse number three there, at the bottom it says, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. It didn't take all night. It didn't take two weeks. It wasn't a process he had to go through. Immediately he was healed. Anytime you see something like that happen, immediately you have to add that to the category of a miracle. Amen. That's just not the way it works all the time. He was cleansed. It was gone. He was healed. He was back to normal. That's a miracle. Amen? There was no other explanation for the healing that immediately took place other than a miracle. Now, for the most part, in the first century, leprosy was a death sentence. There was really no scientific way to provide a cure, and no doubt... Many had tried, studied, experimented, but without a successful cure, the leprosy was something that that person took to his grave with him. Amen? So God had to intervene to reverse this condition that previously had been uh, not been able to cure through any other methods that they knew at that particular time in the first century. When we think of miracles, they're basically unexplained happenings with a positive outcome. I don't know how else to, to relay what a miracle is um, and, unless you've experienced one. Amen? Now, in our world today, we like the idea 
that uh, we can explain everything. We want the scientists to tell us what's going on. Um, when we do that, we try to explain everything through what are science or understanding or our personal experience. Sometimes we miss the whole idea of a miracle. Amen? If you can explain away what happened, it doesn't seem like a miracle to you or to others around you. Amen? But that's not the case. God is in the miracle working business, I believe. Personally, I think everyone is a miracle. Amen? Now, the fact that we were born into this world was a miracle. Yes. Amen. The birth process, as far as I can tell about it, is a miracle. Amen? Uh, a mother's care while she's carrying the, the child for many months uh, without any unusual accidents and the delivery process, to me, is a miracle. Oh, somebody can go from living inside another person and then pop out and be on his own is a miracle. I just, uh, now, for a doctor that delivers 70 or 80 babies a day, you know, that's him, that's probably not a big deal. But for us that only see a birth, if you would, or experience a birth, you know, a few times in a lifetime, man, that really stands out to us. Amen. For a doctor that, that delivers babies constantly, that's a job. That's not a miracle to him, if you would. But to us, we need, just need to, every once in a while, stop and say, that's a miracle. Amen. Now, I realize there are times when a doctor can step up and see what's going on and, and even give medication, even before. So I've even heard, while the mother still had the baby in its womb, they checked it out and it had a heart problem. And they did surgery on it in the womb, on the heart. And the baby came out normal. Huh. Now, that's pretty good. I don't know whether you want to call that a miracle or not, or whether you want to call that science or whatever you want to call it, but to me, man, that ranks right up there with all the miracles. Amen. Then we got God putting this world together, and look at our weather. Isn't it nice? Well, that's only good for just a few minutes. Amen. There are occurrences that you and I could point out such as tornadoes, hurricanes, or even on the other side of the coin, droughts, where we were short on rain. You know the rain we got? I think they said we got over two inches of rain the first of the week. How about that? And I heard a guy on television say, you know what? Or not television, it's on the radio. Was saying, you know, we were actually right at the breaking point of being in a drought. We hadn't had enough rain this spring yet. And man, I don't know about you, but if you looked at your trees, say, last Sunday, and look at your trees today with two inches of water falling on them, there is a drastic difference. Amen. You don't know, may not want to call that a miracle, because you know this fall you're going to have to rake all those things up that's growing. But nonetheless, for that to transpire, to me, was a miracle in the making. So whether... People can study out the conditions of weather for centuries and put their best guess together. Uh, there is a possibility 
that they can figure out a little bit about what the weather's going to do. But in reality, they're just guessing. Amen. Any of you know a weatherman that's always 100% right? I didn't think so. But with God, he's in control. He knows every drop of rain that falls, and he knows what good it can do, not only for us or uh, others around us. He knows every tornado. And I got to tell you, in tornadoes, it surprises me how they can move in such a way and they can go down a street, wipe out five houses in a row, and then skip three, and then wipe out five more. Hmm, how does that happen? Well, I don't think the people that lived in the five that got wiped out considered a miracle, but I'll about guarantee you the three that got missed considered a miracle. Amen? Well, God knows all about how to control the world he put together. Amen? So he has the miracle aspect put in even the tornadoes or hurricanes. And that's something that's unexplainable. There's not a weatherman in the, in the country that can tell you, they can tell you you're under a tornado warning. They can even see on the radar the spinning of the clouds and point that out to you. They don't know which house it's going to hit, but God does. Amen. I've seen tornadoes when I was a boy in the country come down and go across the fields and miss every house going. But it came down, it landed, and of course it tore up trees and tore up fences and tore up other things uh, with the high winds that it had, but it didn't tear down any houses at all. That was a miracle in my pea brain thinking. Amen. In the Bible, we don't find the word miracle very often. And if you get your concordance out and look up miracles, you're going to be in a pretty much a short study of what's going on in the scriptures if you're just looking under the word miracle. Because a lot of times in the Bible, it uses other words. It uses words like signs or wonders or even mighty works. They appear to help us see the situation or how it was described by the, the writers in each of those cases. But if we'd have been there firsthand, we'd have said, that's a miracle. Amen. It doesn't use the word miracle in the cleansing of this leper. Anybody doubt that that was a miracle? No, we don't doubt that. Even though the word was not used there. We can finally draw from our own uh, definition of the word miracle and apply it to what happened to that fellow in the first few verses of chapter 8 there. And of course Jesus then doesn't let, if you would, that situation uh, cloud up what's going on around the law in that first century. What do you tell him to do? Go show the priest, offer the sacrifice. That was Mosaic law still being uh, enforced or used in the time of Christ because Calvary hadn't happened yet. Actually, they were still under Old Testament rules and laws there. And Jesus didn't want in the very beginning of his ministry for those old grumpy uh, guys at the church to point their finger at him and say, you, you didn't do it right. You cleansed him, from, but you didn't give Moses' law the credit it deserves. Well, the miracle had already happened, but rather than cause the argument, why don't you just go ahead and offer what the law says you should offer for that for a testimony unto them. 
Who? The priests. Amen. Priests didn't cure him, but the priests had the power to say, you now are cleansed. You can go back into society. Amen? That was the job of the priest when they dealt with leprosy. You can read that in the Old Testament. Amen. Now let's just drop on down in the 8th chapter of Mark here. Go to verse 14 and 15. There's two more verses where seemingly another miracle is going to take place. Now it's not called a miracle, but let's read and see what happened. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and her fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. Amen? So here's Jesus going to Peter's house. His mother-in-law was living with him. I've had that experience. And he saw Peter's mother-in-law sick, laying, I don't know, on a couch, on a bed, maybe even on a bedroll on the floor, uh, with a fever. Amen. Have any of you ever had a fever? Now, I don't know what her fever was. I don't know how high it went or, or what it was. But you know when you have a fever. Amen? You can actually touch your own forehead and, uh, and find out when you got a fever. And if the skillet's not working, you can fry an egg on your forehead. That's the old saying, isn't it? It's got such a fever they could fry an egg on that forehead. Well, she was lying down sick with a fever. And in verse 15, it downplays this like it was a... Something that would happen maybe in a day's work. Just something that comes along and no big deal and over with and forgotten really quick. It says, Jesus touched her hand. Now, do you get a fever? Does it usually come from your hand? Well, it can come from any part of your body, especially if there's an infection. If you had to cut your hand real bad and it got real badly infected, that infection can spread through your body and give your whole body a fever. Or if you've got uh, lung issues or heart issues or whatever, kidney issues, and wherever, it spreads through your body. And doctors know if you've got a fever, you've probably got an infection in your body somewhere. Now it's up to them to poke you in enough places till they find out where it hurts the most so they can treat wherever it hurts to get rid of that inflammation to cure your fever and get it to come back to what you might say is normal. Amen? I don't think the, the fever was in her hand. Don't know where it was, but I just don't think uh, it was uh, something that her hand needed a touch to cure the fever. I think the fever was throughout her entire body if she was to the place where the only comfort she could find was to lay down to get relief from that fever. Amen. So was the fever something she was holding in her hand that Jesus took out of her hand? No. It'd be like having a piece of paper in your hand, take it out, and the, oh, that ain't it. There was nothing in her hand that he did that touched her that took away the fever. We don't need a doctor to diagnose a fever. You and I both know a fever can do about a, uh, whatever he wants to with the body. Sometimes lying down and relaxing can help cause the symptoms of that fever to ease up and give you some relief. Usually a fever goes away gradually. Amen? 
So if your temperature is 105 one minute, it's not going to be 92.7 10 minutes later. Now it may come down. It doesn't come down that fast. The only way that could happen is if they throw you in a tub of ice water. I don't even know if that would work or not. But sometimes a temperature or a fever takes a while to recover. But when Jesus touched her hand, the scripture says, the fever left her. Huh. That sounds, again, very much immediately. Sounds like it didn't take all day and all night for it to happen. Amen? It sounds like it was a pretty quick cure. When I think of a fever, it doesn't seem to me that your hand would be anything that would cause that fever. So I'm not going to say that the hand-to-hand contact did it, but the temperature did pretty much immediately, although it doesn't really say that, other than she jumped out of bed and went to work. So here she says her temperature's back to normal, but I can believe in God that he touched her and put away everything in her life that was abnormal, and she was able to get up normally and do what she wanted to do. Actually, it says that she arose and ministered unto them. Amen. Now, I don't know who them is, whether it was Jesus, whether it was Peter and Jesus, or whether it was the disciples, or whether it was his daughter and Peter, or I don't know who she ministered to, but whatever it was, she got up and went to work. Amen. That's good, isn't it? All right. I know for me, I went worked at Sears for 31 years, missed three days, but it was because I had a bad fever. And it took me three days to get over it. Uh, the first 27 years I worked, well, I called my boss and said, we've had a good run, but I'm not coming in. I'm sick. I got a fever. Actually, I had bronchial pneumonia. And I took the rest of that week off and the whole weekend resting. And then by Monday, uh, five days later, I was pretty much able to go back to work again. I was still feeling a little puny, but for me, that's kind of normal. Amen. I personally believe in miracles. After all, I'm a mechanic by trade. Amen. I've also seen God move in people's lives. I've seen God move in people's bodies. I've seen relationships healed that I thought there was no way it could be done. It took a miracle. I've seen unexplainable things take place so often that the miracles around us can seem to be sometimes commonplace. Amen. They wouldn't have been commonplace for the things that we've seen in the last year had it happened 100 years ago or 50 years earlier. That wouldn't have been commonplace. Now, we realize a lot of things. It takes time for medicine or science to catch up with what's going on around us. But miracles are happening all the time. And we get to the place where someone gets a cold. We don't call on God for a miracle to cure that. We just put them to bed, tuck them in. I'll wake you up in three days and you'll be fine. Well, I don't know. Sometimes... the we take a lot of that for granted. You know that uh, there's, there's a difference between a cold and the flu. 
I don't know what it is. One of them you're supposed to feed, the other one you're supposed to starve. And I don't know which way it works, but I always get the one you're supposed to feed. I do know that. All right? Amen. For those of us that might say, I don't believe in miracles, I'd ask, if you don't believe in miracles, why do you pray? Why even bother? If surely there's some way of explaining whatever's going on in our life. Most of our prayers are a request for some type of a miracle. Amen. Amen. If you had the power to take care of that situation, why bother pray about it? Just handle it. Forget it. Move on. But we don't have that authority or that power. But we do know a God that does. And we know it because we have read it from his word and we trust uh, the experiences we've had in situations to get us where we need to be. Yet, uh, we're spiling out of control on every hand and sometimes prayer is the only answer we have for what's going on. And while we wait patiently and trust that God will move in our situation and sooner or later he sends our way a miracle. Amen. That's seemingly the way it works. Biblically, the miracles didn't stop when Jesus physically left this world. There are miracles in the book of Acts and beyond that we can read about and understand how the Spirit of God moved on those people in that particular time of their lives. Amen. So we find that in the book of Acts and throughout the rest of the Bible narrative, miracles happened on a regular basis. Amen. Yeah, I, I like the idea of miracles. I, I would rather have a miracle than for a doctor to heal me. It costs a lot less. All right. <laughs> uh, the only way to, to see and relate to a miracle is for us to trust. If you don't trust, you're going to write it off even if you get the miracle. You're going to write it off as to something else or coincidence or just a, a situation, however you want to write it off. You're not going to give God the glory for what happened in your life and you're not going to build your trust and belief in the Almighty God that sent that miracle your way. I trust that the God I serve knows me in every aspect of my life and he's in charge and when he sees me out of line he knows how to jerk a knot in my tail and get me back in line with him where I need to be. To say God put everything in motion eons ago would be true. And guess what? It still works to perfection itself today. And that to me is a miracle in itself. Amen. I'm so glad I don't have to get up every day and go out and see what I have to do about the weather. I can trust God to just give me the day I need. Amen. I, I, had, uh, I did, had the privilege of uh, speaking at a graveside service yesterday for a person never met before in my life. But the first thing I said to those people, isn't God great? Look at the beautiful day he gave us to come together here in this cemetery for this reason, to have this service for this one that's passed. Amen. I, all I knew was her first name. I didn't even know her last name. That's okay. Got there and, and I pulled up and man, here come all these people that knew me. 
came up to me and hugged me and I wanted to shake hands with me and explain. You know, I hadn't seen him for 20 years, but there were people that I had known in the past. Met three young people that are now grown up with children that said, do you remember me? You took me to kids camp. Hmm. What do you think of that? Amen. They've got kids now that's just about too big for kids camp. Amen. So uh, I don't know how it happens, but this is a small world sometimes. Amen. So miracles do happen. I believe that when I accepted the opportunity to speak there, it was just a way for everybody to come back together and, if you would, reunite and talk about things that 20 years ago or more, they uh, knew me then. It's good to know that they still want to see God working in somebody's life 20 to 25 years later. Isn't that something? Well, God arranged all that. To me, that was a miracle. Amen. I, pro I went there with the intention of just saying a few happy words and smiling and, and a prayer or two and open prayer, closed prayer. And... No, it didn't turn out that way at all. To me, it was a miracle. God used me to show people around me that he's still God. Amen? So uh, when we believe in God, trust in God, he has everything around us in control, we can believe that he's going to watch over us in every way. Anyone that doesn't believe in God, and we have many of them around us, believe it or not, can never say they witnessed a miracle. Amen. If they don't believe in God, there's no way they can testify the miracle in their life. Amen. It just wouldn't happen. So if you ever hear anybody testify of a miracle or, or they say, man, I was so sick and pow, I got, that was a miracle, you have to say to them, oh, you must believe in God. Otherwise, you wouldn't recognize that as a miracle. Amen? Miracles are God's touches on situations or conditions that no one else could have handled or took care of other than God. Amen? As for the 21st century church, we need to look for God, for the miracles in our complex world, just as much as they did in the entire history of the world. It hasn't changed just because we think we're smarter than generations that have passed before us. Most of the time, we associate miracles with disease or other physical sicknesses but miracles are happening even if you're well even if you don't have a fever even if you don't have leprosy God can work miracles in your life to help you be what you need to be for God but we need to consider Jesus came to this world to set prisoners free to help the poor to heal the sick as well as save the sinner. It takes a miracle in every aspect that I just listed there, and Jesus is the one that can work that miracle in our lives. That should be the gospel that we're offering to people around us, to the souls that we are coming in contact with on a daily basis. We need to let them know Jesus is still real, he's still in the miracle working business, and I believe our gospel can reach the needs of our world today, such as physical, 
mental, spiritual, emotional, social, financial, whatever category you want to put it in, he knows the answers. God's all around us, and God can do whatever he needs to do to make sure everything works out. God can handle it all. He knows what's best. Amen. There used to be a TV show, Father Knows Best. Well, God even knows Father, so he's even better than that. Amen. Now, I don't doubt science. Amen? But science is nothing more than proving what God has already done. Amen. They're not finding anything new or anything to come up with. Uh, whatever they do, they can say, well, we tried fracking. And the science of fracking has given us more oil or natural gas or whatever. No, that gas was there all the time. We was just so dumb we didn't know how to get it out of the ground. We walked over top of it on a constant basis. And that wasn't a miracle, if you want to call that, other than if we give God the credit for giving us the wisdom to know how to do those types of things. All science is is the ability to prove the facts that are already there in the first place. It should give us the confidence that the same God that moved before can do it again. He can do it again. Now to feed 5,000 for him, that's no problem. All he needs is a few sardines and a couple of biscuits. Yeah, he can feed 5,000 with that. Now, we would look at that and say, that's a miracle. Amen. What a smorgasbord he made out of that little boy's lunch. And when they got done, 12 baskets were left over. Yeah, well, that's about uh, 200 times more than they started with. God can work those kinds of miracles. Amen. To, to help us with our uh, trivial problems, that's nothing for God. That's a piece of cake. Amen. We fret, worry, stew, and yet God handles it. Amen. But it, what's it take on our part? We have to believe. We have to trust. We have to be patient. We have to lean on him. We put in our request in the form of a prayer. And it's always good. I've always said it's always good to start your prayer with thank you. Because if God's going to help you, why not thank Him in the beginning? If you trust Him to do it, just thank Him before He starts. In my way of thinking, I think that moves God a little quicker. I don't know. He doesn't consider me as anything special where He's going to take care of my request over anybody else's in this world. But I know He loves to hear, thank you. Just like you need to, or you like to hear, thank you when you've done something for somebody else. So when we think of miracles, we think of what God can do for us, look for them. Get excited about them. Plant seeds for miracles. Amen. It's about time we put our tomato plants out. Amen. Don't put them out there saying, ah, God ain't going to bless them anyway. They ain't going to grow. No, put them out. Amen. Expecting God to maybe send the right rain, send enough sunshine, send whatever that plant needs uh, to make that plant uh, fruitful and you'll end up with tomatoes. Isn't that cool? Amen. It's about time to get them out. You got them ready to go? Plant the seeds, whatever you need to do. Put out the garden. Watch God work a miracle. That's what it's all about. 
Amen. We need to trust him in every way and allow him to work in any avenue he wants. If he just wants to bless your garden, that's fine. If he wants to heal you from some disease, that's great too. You know, there might be some people walking right in here amongst us today that's probably got a disease seed, if you would, in their life that God can, oh, I don't think he needs to go through that. I'll jerk that seed right out of there, cure him right now, and then we'll move on. I don't know. Could be me. I don't know if I got any kind of disease or anything lurking in the shadows of my body somewhere, but what? God knows. Amen. He knows how to cure it before it even happens. Amen. He knows what it's going to take to get me to the finish line to be the child of God I need to be for him. I just need to trust and be patient and let him work his perfect will in my life. And if I'll do that, miracles will happen. Expect it. Look for it. Make plans for it. Do everything you can to let God work a miracle in your life. Amen? I'd rather have a miracle over any disease this world has to offer. And the only way I can know whether it's a miracle in my life or not is let God touch me and have his way in my life. Amen. God is a miracle-working God. Amen? And Jesus said, Amen. It's not going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. I thought I'd let you see, chime in on that. Amen. God is good. Amen.